And now the Jack Riccardi Show. Hello, Jack. Hey, I got a journalism question for you. Sure. All right, so somebody asked me this. So I'm going to ask Dennis, see what Dennis's answer is. Okay. Why are they still showing the face of the Highland Park shooter? I mean, when they were looking for him, that made sense because they're on the lookout for. But once you have him, is there any is there any journalistic value in continuing to run his picture? Um, kind of, um, because he's still alive. He's going to be in court. Um, you'll see him in court, so it's going to be a continuing thing. Unlike the Uvalde thing, where the shooter's dead, you know his yeah. his story's over. Um, okay. Although we'll learn more about him, but. Um, with the Illinois guy, um, you could report on him without showing his picture. Yeah, though, right. Yeah, you can you can do it either way, but uh, you're still going to see his face because he's going to be in a courtroom. Yeah. Um, there's going to be follow up. It's similar to the um, Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Florida. You know, uh, the shooter there. You know, he's been in court. We don't right. see it as much because you know we all move on. But um, but yeah, that's that's partly the reason, and maybe some. There's a in radio. Sometimes we have good sound. In TV, sometimes they're just good images. And sometimes TV stations or networks may uh, like running the good image. All right. There's the journalism answer. Thank you, sir. Um, you know, everybody is tying themselves into knots about the red flag laws and could this have been prevented? That's our that's our refrain now. After every one of these terrible shootings, is could this have been prevented? And I've been thinking about it today. Um, it looks to me, and we're gonna we're gonna dig into the red flag thing some more. But it kind of looks to me like the attempt or the belief that we can legislate our way out of these kinds of mass shootings hits a wall when you get to a thing called family. It isn't the gun that we can't legislate; it's family that we can't legislate. I've seen I don't know how many headlines and stories about how the shooter in Highland Park was known to police. But before he was ever known to police, he was known to his own family. He lived with them. They were the ones that called the police when he tried to kill himself in 2019. They were the ones that obtained his knife collection, got it back for him after it was taken away. His father is the one that co-signed that card we were talking about on the show last night. In Illinois, you have to get a card. It's a firearm identification or firearm owner identification card, a FOID, F-O-I-D. He was underage when he got one. His father co-signed it. We are up against the oldest story there is. People don't want their kid in trouble. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure when people lived in caves, that was a problem. People who who call out at the top of their lungs for law and order sing a different tune when it's their own kid. Well, I don't want him tagged for life. Well, I don't want him with a file or a record or a label, or I don't want him to be unable to get a job or get into school or uh, so. It, it isn't rational, but it's totally predictable. So people have said, well, why didn't the red flag thing work? 
They talked about it yesterday. The state's attorney came out and bragged about all the laws Illinois has. But what he didn't say is they didn't work in this case. And part of the problem with these laws that we have, as well as the laws that are being proposed, are that you need somebody willing to work with that law. And if parents or families don't do that, for whatever reason they have, then those laws are imperfect. They won't reach everyone. Um, so let's talk about that. I mean, look, we, we see it at every, at every level. The, the President of the United States has a son that he has obviously protected and is protecting and his son is a, is a grown-ass man who is still screwing up, who is still a mess. Look at the loyalty there. Look at the, the, the closing of ranks there. So, of course, people do it. This guy had a lot of red flags before he went onto that rooftop and shot at those people at the parade. He was a prolific user of social media. His posts featured violent content and intent. He was known to law enforcement, but he was also known to his family as having mental health issues going back to middle school. He had disturbing incidents with his family, but his family helped him buy and get the, gun, the card for his guns. Now, maybe the family will be in legal hot water for this. Maybe they'll be sued. But the point is, when people propose to you or offer to you what sound like simple solutions, well, if we just did this, it's common sense. If only we could get the NRA. It's not simple. Because there's nothing more complicated, as you know, and I know, there's nothing more complicated than family. What are you going to do? If the family's in denial, what are you going to do? If they won't cooperate, what are you going to? What, who's going to call if they won't? And when someone calls and the cops roll up, and they open the door and they say oh, everything's fine, what, what is it you want police officers to do? And be careful what you wish for, right? Two ten five nine nine. 5555. Now, about red flag laws, Jacob Sullum wrote about this at Reason.com today, and it's a good explanation of why they didn't work and probably wouldn't have mattered in this case. As you probably know, red flag laws are about disarming people who are deemed a threat to themselves or others. It's an ex parte court action, so it's not a full-blown trial. It's temporary. It's, a, it's an order that a judge can give that's temporary and then you get to address it and redress it. And it sounds sensible to people, especially after a thing like this. Um, but let's look at the record here in this case. Let's talk about this guy for a minute. So in April of 2019, police get a 911 call to his home where he lives with his family. They say he's attempted suicide. In September of that year, they get another call. Caller says he's threatening to kill everyone in his family. 
Police ask him if he's suicidal. He says no. They seize his uh, collection of 16 knives and swords. But the father gets them back. They don't arrest the son because there's no probable cause that he's committed a crime. The Highland Park Police report this to the Illinois State Police. And the Illinois State Police didn't do anything about it. And their explanation, according to Jacob Sullum, is that first, he didn't yet have that firearm identification card, so he wasn't in their system. And secondly, there were no relatives willing to make a formal complaint or provide information on threats or get him into the mental health system. So the red flag law is there for police and or family members to get a firearm restraining order. But if the family members don't cooperate, the police can't make much of a case. These laws are really intended for someone who knows the person. But the people who knew this guy best were fronting for him. They were protecting him. And who knows why? I, I'm not defending it. I'm not, I, I have no idea what they were thinking. But I do know that in other cases, people worry, moms and dads and family members worry, that maybe somebody is just going through a bad patch and we don't want to label them for life and we don't want to ruin them. We don't want a jacket or a record that will follow them for the rest of their lives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not perfect. It's not satisfying. I'm not saying you should be okay with this. I'm just saying when people tell you, oh, there are simple things we could do and common sense, it's not simple because it involves the complexity and the conflicted emotions of family. Why did the father, with all of this that happened in 2019, take his son and get that card and co-sign it with him? Why would he do that? And would a father who would do that, okay, suicidal son, making threats, they took his knives away, he gets them back, a father that will go and get his son a card that says, yeah, he can have a gun, is probably not a father that will participate in a red flag action, right? So these aren't going to work if the people involved aren't playing along with the law. And then they ask, well, why did he pass the background checks? He bought these guns last year and the year before. Why did he pass the background checks? Well, because in the background checks, there, was, there were no um, offenses. None of this was in his record. There wasn't a record. So people will say, well, if the family wouldn't do it, the cops shouldn't do it. But the cops have a hard time doing it without cooperation from somebody that knows the person. And they didn't get it, as far as we know. Expecting the police to just swoop down and pluck out of our midst the next mass shooter is really like believing in the tooth fairy. So I'm not saying that we can't do better. I'm saying we got to be real about how these things work. Tell me what you think about that. 210-599-5555. I mean, the family thing is, is, is something no one talks about. We talk about guns. We talk about mental health. Family is where it all starts, right? You are a product before anything else. You're a product of your family. You're a product of how you're brought up or not brought up. You're a, a product of the attention that's given to you or that no attention was given to you. 
And we all know people. We've all known people in our lives. They may not have killed anybody, but we all know people who are human train wrecks. And we go, well, if you knew the family. 210-599-5555. This story gets very close to home. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but they arrested a guy who worked at the Amazon warehouse over by Citibase. A 19-year-old warehouse worker making terroristic threats, threatening to shoot the place up. And um, I don't know if he would have done it or not. I think there's two kinds of people, don't you? I think there's people that make a lot of threats and make a lot of racket because they they really want to be picked up. And then there are those people that are very, very stealthy. And they're probably the worst of all because we're not going to know about them until they do it. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. KTSA News Time 424. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. You can jump in at 210-599-5555. We're still learning about the uh, shooter and the prelude to the shooting of the 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois. But it's pretty clear that you're being sold a bill of goods about how common sense laws and obvious things and red flag uh, rules would just make this problem go away, would just solve this problem. Um, Because there's complexity to the human condition that vexes the making of any new law, right? I mean, you you know that's true with any law you write about anything. As soon as it's written... The human condition starts to find its weaknesses and its loopholes and its vulnerabilities. It, it, it's a complicated thing how people relate to one another, and there's nothing more complicated than family. This guy seems to have had a family that, on the one hand, was raising somebody that was, that was insane, was mad, but on the other hand was also protecting him not uh, seeking help or, or seeking to get him into the system. And I'll bet a lot of families would think the same way. We don't want that label. 210-599-5555. Rick is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Good afternoon, Rick. Hey, Jack. Find out what political affiliation that that family is all about. Let's find out what affiliation the family is. Are they Democratic, liberal, left-wing? What are they? Well, the father, the father was a Republican. I know that. I don't know any more about their politics than that. He ran for mayor of that town. Well, the father, the father was a Republican. I know that. Okay, Rick, you got to turn your radio down, or else we can't have the conversation. When you once you get on, just turn the radio down and then turn it back up. That's important. I like that part. After the call, turn it back up. Um, 210-599-5555. And with all due respect, I'm, I'm over the political affiliation of these people. I'm over the scorecard thing. If you're keeping score at home of how many Democratic mass shooters there are and how many Republican mass shooters there are, if you're keeping track of how many are white and how many are black and how many did this and how many did that, I'm over it. We're over it on this show. That's not, that's not the point here. Okay. It, it is it is a factor in how the media cover them. I'm not naive about that. But 
we got we got a problem. We got a soul problem. We got a humanity problem. Um, it's being it's being gamed by politicians, a, as usual, <laughs> and um, that's what I'm interested in. Uh, and I think um, you know I think we see it with a lot of things. I noticed today there's a, a slap fight going on between Ron Nirenberg and Dan Patrick, the mayor of San Antonio, and the lieutenant governor. And it's because Dan Patrick, when he goes on Fox News, refers to the border as being invaded. It's an invasion. We're being invaded. And yesterday, some of the border counties held a news conference to say, look, we have to declare this an invasion because under the the U.S. Constitution, states are permitted to repel an invasion. If the federal government can't or isn't there to do it, and remember at the time of the founding, the federal government was the weakest of all governments, had virtually nothing. The states had everything. All the resources were there. The the militias of the states were the military of that time. So the, the founders crafted it so that the states could repel an invasion. And so these counties want to declare it an invasion. Well, Ron Nirenberg says, well, that's that's terrible language. It's reckless and it's divisive and it hurts our Latino and immigrant communities. And I'm listening to all this and I'm going, who the hell cares what you call it? It's what you do about it that matters. I don't care what you call it. I really don't. And, and, and this is what politicians do. They run this jive. And they, when they know that you're concerned or upset or emotional they think they can get away with even more of it so right after a mass shooting even though you might think how ghoulish to bring up talking points and start in with the but they know that that's when they can get at the most people and they do 210-599-5555 and bill is on 550 and 107.1 ktsa bill good afternoon uh good afternoon sir how are you I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, uh, I'm a I'm a disabled vet. I've been uh, diagnosed with uh, PTSD, and I say that because the uh, the mental health um, uh, services here in America really do fail the whole system. If I go to counseling for year after year and I work hard to try to uh, get over my mental illness, do I ever get over it? Or are you going to label me forever? just like mm-hmm. those parents were trying to protect that kid. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not good, not a good system. Well, I don't, know if it, I don't know if that means the mental health system is a bad system, but what I think it means is mm. people want to avoid that label, and they won't, uh, and that will affect what they decide to do. You, you could have all the mental health resources in the world. You could have a state-of-the-art mental health facility in every city and town. But if it's a stigma... And if people think it will limit them, they won't put their kid in that system. Absolutely correct. You're, you are correct about that. And it's unfortunate that way because, yeah, once I'm labeled, uh, I might be screwed as well, you know. So there's a lot of... What is it, uh, if, I may, if I may ask, get... what is it you worry about? What, like, how would it follow you or in what way do you think it would follow you? Yeah, for sure. So, like, uh, PTSD for one of the things is uh, anger management. If uh, if if I have an anger management issue, but then uh, that means I can control my mental uh, things. So if I go to try to apply for uh, 
for a gun license or something like that, they look at my record, and you have, you know, at one particular time in your life, you had issues, and, um, yeah, and that's how, that's what I worry about, about uh, trying to get different type of licensings and certifications. That's do what you, I worry about. Do you, um, so I understand how frustrating that would be to you. Can you see how somebody else would say, but, yeah, I mean, if you've had PTSD, I worry about you. Absolutely. And it is a thing. I mean, in my family situation, my dynamics is that I have half the family that uh, says, all right, he's okay, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and then mm-hmm. I have another family that just kind of written me off. Understandably. Yeah. You know, if I make yeah. a mistake, yeah. I make a mistake, and it's on me. So yeah. um, there's no excuses, and I'm not trying to come up with an excuse right. or anything. Right, yeah. Uh, family is but, Family is complicated. Yes, and sir, uh, a lot of uh, service members are not getting uh, mental health uh, services because they are worried about the stigma mm-hmm. and the documentation mm-hmm. beyond that, yeah. beyond their yeah. uh, their uh, counseling. Yeah, I can I can but totally anyway, understand that. For, uh, yes, sir. Well, well you thank have you a for good day. I appreciate uh, bringing this information. Thank you for calling, Bill. Thank you for serving, and thank you for getting better and working on it. And I. I hope and pray that you continue to. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. Gotta get up, I gotta get up. Ooh, gotta get up, I gotta get up. Ooh, na, 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 na. KTSA News Time 437, Jack Riccardi, San Antonio's News Talk Station, 550 and 1071 KTSA. The, um, the other thing about this shooting in Highland Park on the 4th of July. It just seems weird isn't a good word, but it's the best word I can think of. It just seems weird that, okay, we we had seven people killed, 30-something people injured. They were in a, a suburb. They were at a parade. Yes, that's shocking. That's out of place. But just a few miles away, 10 people were killed and 60 people were injured over the course of the three-day weekend in Chicago. And this is becoming so normal that it almost doesn't even make the news anymore. So major city, summer weekend, double-digit death toll or shooting toll. 50 shot in New York, 48 shot in Los Angeles over the weekend. Does it seem weird to you, here's that word again, that we aren't talking at all about those? I mean, it's human beings, it's guns, it's illegal. But for some reason, that is not headline worthy. Is it because it happens all the time? We say that Mass shootings happen too often. Politicians like to stomp their feet and go, this is unacceptable. But why is the the, the regular weekly death toll in American cities, why is that acceptable? And we know one reason why. Their party's in charge of those cities. They don't want to talk about it because it's happening on their watch. But we, we know that in the big cities, what's 
changed is a decision to not protect people from violence. Bail reform, defund the police. We're shielding criminals. We're cooking the books on crime. And people are living with the consequences. We're painting over the cracks. And if you think about... Um, the, the problem of mass shooters, and you think about the problem of big city, you know, murder tolls and death tolls and shooting tolls, I'm sure a lot of the same issues are at play, but things that politicians don't want to talk about. They want to talk about guns, although they don't seem interested in how many guns there are in the inner city of Chicago and where those came from and how they got there. They don't seem very interested in that. But who are the shooters? What is wrong with their wiring? Why are they doing this? Why is this a lifestyle? They don't want to talk about it. So politicians are lying about both, just in different ways. But one thing that is a common thread is we have politicians that are refusing to protect you from violence. They are telling you instead that it's not really that bad, that it's not happening, that it's transitory. But anyone that is calling for bail reform, defund the police, has no business turning around and calling for more laws governing law-abiding gun owners. I'm not saying I know all the answers. I'm saying the people that are telling you they have the answers are full of it. 210-599-5555. I mean, you should expect not only that you will not be shot at a parade or in an elementary school, but our great American cities should not have a Ukraine-like death toll every weekend. That should not be happening. We're getting used to something that is completely unacceptable. And we're accepting it. By the way, it, it only has to happen for a certain amount of time before it becomes people's normal. They know that. They're counting on you rolling over and, and giving up on it. 210-599-5555. And then, is it an invasion Dan Patrick went on Fox and said, we're being invaded, it's like Pearl Harbor. Well, Pearl Harbor wasn't an invasion, Dan. <laughs> That's kind of stupid. Um, I understand when people use the word invasion with the specificity of, can the state do something that the federal government is not willing to do? I, I get that part of it. But otherwise, labeling it an invasion and talking about hordes of invaders and talking about Pearl Harbor, is just it's just as, as nonsensical as Ron Nirenberg um, clutching his pearls and saying this is bigotry and this is hurtful and hysteria. Diego Bernal said it's hysteria and a distraction. Really, it's a distraction? What, what about people that are living with this in their midst? What about people that are having um, illegal immigrants coming across their, their ranch land or their property or their house or 
they can't let their kids play outside. That's real. That's not an illusion or a delusion. You say something's a delusion or an illusion, you're saying it's not there. You're seeing something that's not there. You're seeing a pink bunny rabbit, but it's not there. This is real. But who cares what you're calling them? And and who cares about demonizing them? I get why they're coming. You get why they're coming. If we were them, we'd be coming here too. What are you going to do about it? Democrats are good at saying it's not a problem. Republicans are really good at saying it is. But the last time I checked, Dan Patrick, your party controls all the statewide offices, controls the legislature, has for a long time. Who's in your way? Who's in your way? What is it that should be done that isn't getting done? You ever think about that? They're great at at complaining about it, but they're actually holding the keys. Anyway, tell me what you think. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. We can talk about that. We can talk about the red flag thing. Um, Where would you think is the world's most dangerous land crossing? I was kind of surprised by this. A U.N. report. Uh, recently named the world's deadliest land crossing. They studied hundreds of borders all around the world, and they concluded that the border between Mexico and the United States, Joe Biden's open border, is now the most dangerous, deadliest land crossing. 728 deaths in 2021 alone, more than any place else. So how's the um, kinder, gentler, we're not going to deport anybody, how's that working now? Imagine you've got a more dangerous land crossing than, say, Ukraine and Poland or North Korea and China. That's, That's quite an accomplishment. That's quite a feather in their cap, isn't it? And what's interesting is most dangerous border crossings are dangerous because of the enforcement of the border. People get picked off by border guards. What makes our border dangerous is the lack of enforcement, the absence of enforcement. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA News Time 452. KTSA AccuWeather says windy and 77 for tonight. Mostly sunny and a high tomorrow of 101. We're sitting at 100 now at San Antonio Severe Weather Station 550 and 1071 KTSA. Um, talking about uh, red flag laws, and the UN now says that the border between the U.S. and Mexico is the world's deadliest land crossing. Paul is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Paul, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you, Paul. How are you? Just fine. I enjoy your show. Uh, number thank one, I, I'm not going to say that it's an invasion. I think it's it, the problem that we have in this in the state of Texas is we got a lot of people in Washington saying, "Come on, we give you free, we give you free this and free that. There's more opportunities." And they don't care about the border. 
They really don't. The only ones that care about a voter is this governor that we have. He's trying to make our state safe where people can sleep at night, not have to worry about someone coming across the border, doing their damage, and running across. Now, I've been, I've been in Mexico here recently, and the word is out there that they're saying in Mexico City, they're saying Americans are stupid. Go to the United States. They give you free this and free that, and they'll make you a resident. And the only the problem is not not the people that are coming across; it's the people that are t- sending the message that we right. have open borders. Right. And unfortunately, I, as a Latin, I don't, and I fought for this country for 15 years in the Marine Corps, and I see exactly what we're doing. We defend every country's border. And we don't defend our own, right? We're right. Yeah. Right if this was any if this was any place else in the world, we'd be sending our troops in there to to protect it. But we're we looking the other way when it's our own. It's a good point, Paul. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate the call, sir. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. You know, as I get older, I think about ageism. When I was young, I thought that was a silly idea, but boy, it makes more sense to me every year. Ageism. You know what ageism is, right? Discriminating on the basis of age. So. They were interviewing Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation. And they asked him about um, whether he would consider raising the mandatory retirement age, the federal mandatory retirement age for commercial airline pilots, which is currently 65. Because the airlines say pilot shortages are one of the main reasons for the hundreds and hundreds of cancellations. And... The um, age limit of 65 was exacerbated by a wave of layoffs for the pandemic and early retirements, and the airlines did this to themselves in some cases, but now they're saying we would really like to be able to bring back people uh, over the age of 65. And they asked Pete Buttigieg about this. Because um, Americans are living longer and working longer. A lot of people work past 65. It's not the, the age of, of the mandatory age of retirement in too many places anymore. So he said, no, I would not do that. I will not raise the retirement age. He said, I'm more interested in raising the bar on things like compensation and job quality than lowering the bar on something like safety. What? What? So you turn 65 and you become an unsafe pilot? All of a sudden you're 65, 66, you're you're unsafe? Hey, Pete, how old is your boss? <laughs> By the way, who would get on a plane if you knew that if you knew that Joe Biden was the pilot? Oh, sure. The Democrats are like, I'd have no problem with that. Yes, you would. You'd frantically be rebooking. You'd be, you'd be like, I'll fly on, I'll fly on Frontier, Spirit, Sun Country. I'll do anything. I'll drive. I'll, I'll take Greyhound. You wouldn't get on a plane if Biden was flying it. You know you wouldn't. I mean, it might be okay for most of the flight because it would be on autopilot like the country is. But I mean, imagine of all administrations. Okay, of all administrations, this administration is worried about airline pilots being too old. 
That's you can't you can't make up stuff like that. That's that's the golden age of satire right there. So he says we would be watering down safety if we raised the retirement age. So airline pilots over 65 scare Pete Buttigieg. Why doesn't a president who's 80 and forgets to say God bless America on the 4th of July, does that doesn't scare him at all? He doesn't know where he is. Now, I'm not suggesting we should have 80-year-old airline pilots, but maybe maybe 70. I don't know. If that helps with the shortage, if that gets people where they're trying to go, if they want to fly. Again, a lot of ifs, but I just thought it was a very ageist thing to say. Oh, well, if we extended the... uh, we, if we extended the retirement age, that would be a safety issue. That's a big slap in the face to a lot of people, I would think. I'm not there yet, but I'm well on my way. 210-599-5555. Tell me what you think about that. Is that are you, would you consider that a good idea, a good response to the pilot shortage? Or are you with Secretary Pete that that's, that's scary? He wants his pilots to be, you know, youthful, good-looking. Celebrating 100 years of KTSA, I'm Dennis Folding. 55 KTSA. And hello, Jack. Hey, Dennis, good afternoon, and welcome to our show. You can jump in at 210-599-5555. We're asking you on the Stevens Roofing JR poll today, does the Highland Park shooting make a good case for red flag laws? The... Uh, politicians came right out and said, aha, this is why we have them, this is why we need them. Which is puzzling because the shooting happened. People are dead. Mothers and fathers and children and and a community is, is traumatized. How is this a win for red flag laws? How is this an argument for red flag laws? And it turns out that in many ways this shooter... This killer is the kind of person they always talk about when they propose these laws that would allow for the ex parte court-ordered confiscation of guns and weapons. But there's only two paths forward with red flag laws. Either a family member moves for the removal of the guns or the police build a case for the removal of the guns. The police building the case leans heavily on a family member or close acquaintance. They need that. In the case of the guy in Highland Park, the family, even though they called the police on him twice in 2019, even though he was a walking, talking, um, you know, attention-seeking spectacle, they did not cooperate. They did not want to label him or put him in the system or have him tracked and recorded. So the problem with red flag laws is if people don't want the stigma on a family member, they won't help you get the order. So we're kind of back to what we've talked about a lot on this show, which is politicians will always point to a small piece of a problem, say that that's the whole problem, 
give us more power and we'll fix that. In the end, they always get more power. That's been going on for 200 years. But we don't get the fix. And they don't like to talk about things that are not easily reached. So you can regulate legal gun owners because by definition they're law-abiding, they do what you tell them. But you can't regulate criminals and bad guys and sickos. They don't. They won't. And you can't regulate family. There's something about family. This guy's family protected him. Or maybe protected themselves. Maybe they didn't want the stigma or the reputation or the gossip in a town that people would know. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I've seen this before. You have too. So don't fall for the shuck and jive about we just need red flag laws, we just need common sense reform. It, it, it's a little more complicated. Human beings are complicated. 210-599-5555. Well, right, as I was saying it less than an hour ago, here is a pastor in Chicago, T.J. Grooms, uh, saying, why doesn't all the shootings in Chicago get the attention and support that the politicians are giving Highland Park. This area, this community, is not a stranger to violence, says Reverend Grooms. His city had over 800 murders last year. They had um, 10 killed and 50 shot over the weekend. Reverend Grooms says there should be the same level of attention, the same level of concern, the same level of care that our politicians give to an event like Highland Park or a city like Uvalde, we want that same level of concern, that same level of justice. It doesn't diminish anything that happened there, and it doesn't diminish the concern and the care that they deserve. It's just that we deserve that same level of care. I don't see how you can argue with that. I I don't see why we're not asking Lori Lightfoot, that's her name, right? Why isn't she having to explain? I mean, the... The, the people in Highland Park are having to explain. They're being called on the carpet, right? The, the mayor, the, the um, state's attorney, the police, the sheriff, the Illinois State Police. What, what, did you do, what did you guys do? What did you guys not do? Why is there never that same scrutiny when weekend after weekend these big cities have these tolls? He's right. And then I don't know if you heard this or not. There was a story uh, that came out. It started to come out yesterday. We heard a lot more about it today. Out of Richmond, Virginia. Now, nothing happened in Richmond, Virginia on the 4th of July, but something could have. There was a tip given to the Richmond police on the Friday before the weekend of a conversation that had been overheard, of some guys that had been overheard as talking about shooting up a big Independence Day party or celebration in Richmond. So they got this tip from somebody they're referring to only as a hero citizen. Remember that term, by the way, hero citizen. And they arrested two guys, 52-year-old Julio Alvarado Dubon and 38-year-old Roman Balsare. And they're uh, they're facing multiple charges. One of the charges 
is being non-U.S. citizens in possession of guns. They're non-U.S. citizens. They were planning, plotting, allegedly, an attack. Uh, They had several guns. They had hundreds of rounds. Uh, One was arrested that same day. The other was uh, picked up yesterday. And the attack didn't happen. I wonder if the politicians will talk about that. I have the feeling a lot of them that like to talk about guns and gun laws won't talk about this story because it involves a component, involves an ingredient that doesn't fit their narrative. It's not to say by any means that all illegal immigrants are dangerous or alleged shooters. Obviously they're not. But if it doesn't fit the narrative, if it's not useful, you don't talk about it. Can we just be honest about that? This isn't about solving problems or keeping you safer. This is about taking things out of the news universe and plugging them in and fitting them in to whatever point you were going to make or wanted to make or campaign you were in or whatever it is, right? 210-599-5555. So I... I would just say this. I'm not suggesting I have all the answers, but I am saying the people who claim they do don't. We'll talk about that here. We'll get to your calls and your votes in the JR poll. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. 521 is our KTSA news time. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. 210 599 55. Bob, you're on KTSA. Jack? Hi, Bob. Hey, Jack. If we uh, summarize this, basically they want to identify people that are unfit to carry a weapon, right? Is that a good summary? Um, No, I don't think so. All right. Then, um, so if you have a red flag law for someone who is mentally unstable... Uh, I don't think unfit would probably be the right word because it's too vague. It could mean anything. Okay. So I mean, I could be, un- I could be, it's... I could be totally sane, but I could be unfit because I don't know how to handle it, or I, you know, don't have any fingers or something. Okay. So let's just say you've been flagged, for example, and said, and they said, okay, you're not allowed to have a weapon anymore. You fall into this category because of some situation. So now, one thing we have is you are still able to walk around in neighborhoods so they're just saying you can't have guns mm-hmm. you still have access to any other weapon to do bad things a car um, mm-hmm. hammers mm-hmm. knives anything like that mm-hmm. so all right, so that's one problem i have i mean you're yeah. gonna you're gonna solve a, l- a little bit of the problem uh, the next problem i have is now you've just declawed a cat you basically told society this person can't own a weapon right and now he becomes potential victim Right, And then last but not least, thousands of generations of humans were on this planet and were unable to put together the government that our founding fathers did. And, th- and they said, shall not be infringed. And they meant right. it. Right. And if we do, if we do it, we're, we're unraveling all of nature's God and nature's laws that just make the rest of the system work. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid. Let I'm me ask you something, that. Bob. And I, you make you make a lot of good points. Um, 
So you know that the red flag process is an ex parte temporary order. It means that the person who gets flagged then has recourse. They, they go to court. They can uh, hire representation. They can make their case. Uh, it's designed for the possibility of getting their gun back. Do you think there is ever a time that we would want to take away from somebody like this guy in, in Highland Park with all the things he had done, all the craziness he was emitting? Is there ever a time you could imagine that you would want that intervention? If he's behind bars or locked up in a facility of care, um, what would you put him behind bars for? What what when you're when you're just acting out, but you haven't broken the law? What what is it you're going to put him behind bars for? And, and that's where I would lose the argument because I wouldn't put him behind bars, and I wouldn't prevent him from having weapons. Um, I just can't see how our society looks at this as guns are the problem. Well, I mean, freedom of speech got out of control. Uh, freedom of religion. Look, you and I both agree that guns are not guns are not the problem. But what do you right. what do you make of a father who has called the police and said he tried to kill himself? He's threatened to kill me. Please take his knives away. Then a year later, that same guy takes his son and co-signs a firearm owner's card. I mean, what, what do you do with a person like that? What do you do with that problem? I've got a serious problem with that father, for one thing. Um, and then we have to say the kid himself has a mental incapacity and needs to be in a home or some sort of facility. I, I don't know how we do that. because. But that isn't is it true that violent. the person, the most likely party to put him in a facility would be family, and they are the ones covering for him? Yes. And then the only other thing we can do is be vigilant watchdogs and pay attention mm -hmm. to rooftops when there's a parade going on. I don't yeah. see the problem yeah. with that. I, I mean, I, I look, you're, you're right about the way red flag laws um, make a person vulnerable and publicize their vulnerability. You didn't even mention, but I'll add to that. They're a, they're a, a handy tool for vendettas and vengeance and people with an axe yes. to grind. It's a way of harassing a person using the levers of government. Your, your, your points are all well taken. Um, and that's why I say I don't think these should be offered up to the public as a solution because they're so obviously wanting and lacking. And one thing we haven't figured out is how do you get family to not cover for a monster in their midst? And it isn't just people that kill. It's molesters and everything else. We know this from time after time. Families are the ones that shield and cover because they don't want the person exposed, and it exposes them. Correct. The families will be part of the problem because they'll they'll lie, they'll delay the process, and they'll cover up just for their. And no politician has love. an answer for that. No, no, no politician even wants to talk about that. So, Bob, thank you for the call. This is why this is why I I say turning to them for the answers is is futile because they don't want to talk about the hard stuff. You do, I do, we're doing it. They don't want to. Because you can't fix that in, inside of two years and they got to run again. Right? They just want things that they can point to after two years and go, I did this, I did this, I passed this, I voted for this. Okay, but this is more complicated. You know, if we could solve this with money, it would already be solved. It's not going to be money. 
if we could solve this with more laws, we've, we've coded ourselves with laws. If we could solve this with more government, if we could solve this with more government agencies. Have you ever noticed after every mass shooting, every school shooting, there's myriad agencies. There's law enforcement agencies you didn't even know we had. They're tripping over each other. That's obviously not the problem. The human condition. People's tendencies. Blood is thicker than water. Avoiding shame, stigma. I don't want the the the, the father in this in this uh, deal was apparently he was trying to be a somebody in the community. I don't know if he was or not. He owned a business. He ran for mayor. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Maybe he just didn't want people to know he had a crackpot kid. So he covered. I'm not defending it. And I'm not saying there's nothing we can do. I'm just saying there there is a limit to what the, the law can do. And you're being told there isn't. You're being told we're one law away or one more law away from safety. I think that's a terrible thing to tell people. That's like telling the people in the Titanic it was it, it couldn't sink. That was, that was that was a terrible thing to tell people. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I I don't know. I mean, if we were not so if 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 politicians were not so afraid of talking about faith and souls. I think a lot of us would like to ask the question, how do you expect a society where people will do the right thing or treat one another with love and compassion if there's no basis for that, if you've never taught that? How, what is the right thing? Is it, is it just whoever's in power? Well, that changes every two years or four years. See, there has to be a fixed sense of right and wrong. People have wrestled with this for, for, for decades, for centuries. The great thinkers have written and talked about this, that you, you can't have, you can, you can make any decision you want about your faith and putting a label on it or belonging to an organized religion or not, but you can't bark and yell at people to do the right thing if there's no right thing that everyone accepts and agrees to. You might as well just be like the, the teacher. In, remember the teacher in Charlie Brown? She just made that noise, but there were no words. So when our politicians say things like, you know, our prayers are with such and such a community where a terrible thing has happened, you want to say to them, prayers? Who, who are you praying to? The chairman of your party? <laughs> because... Because you don't, you guys don't talk about faith. You have no, you have nothing but disdain and and scorn for people of faith. You think we're, you think we're weirdos. Now all of a sudden, you want to offer prayers for Uvalde or Highland Park? Prayers to what? They they want politicians. Uh, excuse me. They want politics to be your religion. And you've been sitting in the benches, taking in the the sermon every week. It's not really working, is it? You don't like what you see when you look around. This world doesn't make sense. If this was, if, if politics was a church, a religion, you'd leave. You'd go somewhere else. 
Say, this isn't for me. This doesn't have any answers for me. 210-599-5555. We're going to talk about it and um, many other things and get your votes in on the JR poll plus an update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic. This is Dana Lash congratulating KTSA on 100 years of service to San Antonio and South Texas. KTSA News Time, 538. Don't forget this uh, coming Friday, we'll kick off the weekend with The Dish in our 6 o'clock hour. We talk restaurants. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on Friday after 6 here on KTSA. So you might remember last week there was a a story, a leak of of a voicemail that was on the Hunter Biden laptop. And it's a voicemail that got backed up uh, to the to the uh, laptop from Hunter Biden's phone. It was a message from Dad, and I think it was late 2018 or early 2019. So it's before he becomes president, and it's uh, Joe Biden checking in with Hunter Biden about a New York Times story that's going to run about Hunter Biden's extensive business deals in China. In case you didn't hear it, here is that voicemail. Here's what it sounded like. Hey, Palace Dad, it's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Not, nothing urgent. just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, it's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think it's clear. And, uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. I think you're clear are the words that everybody's kind of fixated on. So this is what Joe Biden has said in the past about whether he talks with his son or what he knows about his son's business dealings, cut number four. I've never spoken to my son about business And so how do you know? Let's, let's talk, you know? Here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader trying to intimidate a foreign leader, if that's what happened, that appears what happened. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the the, uh, presidency to try to do something to smear me. Everybody looked at this and everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there. Ask the right question. So as was often the case with Joe Biden, he would feign anger in lieu of actually giving an answer. What people would remember was he seemed very outraged. And some people, I guess, equate outrage with, you know, sort of indignation and you've been wronged and how dare you. But what I hear is a guy that's panicking. What I hear is a guy who is worried that these questions are hitting too close to home. So... Yesterday, um, Peter Ducey from Fox News asked Corinne Jean-Pierre about the voicemail, and I want you to hear her non-answer answer to it, cut number one. Why is there a voicemail of the president talking to his son about his overseas business dealings if the president has said he's never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings? Well, first I'll say that uh, what the president said stands, so... If he, if that's what the president said, that he, that is what stands. And you second, secondly, New York Times article but secondly, concerning secondly, business dealings, and he says, I think you're clear. How is that not him talking to his son about his overseas business dealings? 
We're not from this podium. I am not going to talk about alleged materials from the laptop. So I will. I'm not. I am not going to talk about alleged materials on the laptop. Are it's you not happening. Then that it is not. Peter, I refer you to uh, to his son's representative. Okay. Another reporter, uh, a little later on in the briefing, comes back to it. Comes back to Peter Ducey's question. Cut number two. Follow up. We have all heard it. The president likes to say, uh, I will always level with you. He says it again and again. Um, moments ago, though, you seemed to dismiss Peter's question about his conversation with his son, Hunter Biden, uh, with regards to his business dealings. And I'm wondering, how is that silence consistent with the president's promise to always level with the American public? Because, you know, in, in public, he says he, he hasn't discussed these business dealings. And then at least according to the, the voicemail that's been obtained by the Daily Mail and the Washington Examiner, it certainly seems like he was seeking to do exactly that, have a conversation about these business dealings. Is, is he leveling with the, the American public on this? Phil, I hear your question, but what I can tell you from here, standing at this podium, is that I cannot comment on any materials from the laptop. And I would refer you to the representatives of, uh, of Hunter Biden. That's what I can share with you at this podium at this time. Mm. It's an interesting evasion. It, it sounds like a very um, prepared, rehearsed answer. And Cor- Corinne Jean-Pierre is struggling in this job. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that they wanted to make sure that when this question came up, and they knew it would, that there was a very controlled, specific answer. She wouldn't kind of free ball it. So her answer is, I would refer you to representatives of Hunter Biden, which is interesting because nobody gives two you-know-whats about Hunter Biden. <laughs> the, the, the man in question is the president. You're his press secretary. He is serving in this White House. This is exactly the place these questions need to be asked. Moreover, Hunter Biden couldn't have put together a two-card you know, parade, much less an international business deal, without his father's name, without his father's connections. So this has everything to do with Joe Biden, um, and it's only tangentially about Hunter Biden. You know, it, it, her saying we're not going to answer questions about it from this podium I guess makes me think, what, what is this podium for? It's for answering questions. I wonder if, well, let me back up and say it another way. We played the, the, the piece where candidate Joe Biden gets very angry and he's, oh, there's nothing to this. You should be asking Trump these questions. Okay, I wonder how he will deal with this if Trump is not running or doesn't run, or isn't nominated by the Republicans. Because it's pretty clear, uh, to me, it's pretty clear that Trump is going to announce any day now that he's running for president. I, I will be, I will fall off my chair if he doesn't run for president. I'm not saying I want him to, I'm saying I, I think he's going to. And then we'll see what happens, and we'll see if the party nominates him, and who else runs, and all that. But if he's in the mix, will Biden just give that same... 2019 answer, hey, you should be looking at him. Or if he's not in the mix, if Trump's on the sidelines, then what's the answer? This is about you. You're the president now. Who do you deflect to now? 
As far as I know, Ron DeSantis's children don't have any business deals in China. I'll I'll check to be sure, but I don't I don't think they have any business deals. Period. I don't think they're old enough to have a job yet. Five fifty one on San Antonio's news talk station five fifty and. 1071 KTSA, Jack McCarty, late afternoon show. Talking to you on, uh, or asking you on the JR poll, uh, do the uh, red flag laws and the argument for them, their existence, or proposing new ones, does it, does it get a boost from what we've learned about the Highland Park shooting? Because that was right out of the gate uh, when they started the briefings after that uh, shooting in Highland Park on, on Monday, right out of the gate. Local officials cited their red flag laws, and yet, um, and in other places that don't have them, we've been told we need them. But in fact, everything you you know so far about this killer and the circumstances says it didn't work. And I don't mean it didn't work blame the police i i don't think the police dropped the ball here i really don't now you can you can find a lot of fault with the police response in other places but what what seems to have happened in highland park is a family covering for a family member i don't want to hear that there weren't any resources or they didn't have the red flag laws these people were calling 911 on a family member and then hiding concealing his growing mania and obsession. And, you know, when they say the public needs to, if they see something, say something, uh, I would think that applies to family. But see, it's tricky, right? Because if you're a a parent, and I know you're going to say, I would never do this, Jack, so don't say you. So If you wouldn't do this, fine. If you're a parent and you are contemplating flagging or seeking you know law enforcement intervention for your kid you're also thinking does this stigmatize him or her does this stay on their record will this be in their school records will this be an uh, impediment to getting a job getting hired does it have to be disclosed what about other licensing or permitting and all of that what if they want to you know do this do that I don't want to stigmatize them. I don't want to label them. I don't want to damage them for life. This is a phase. He'll grow out of it. She'll get better. Not defending that, but that is what people do. That's how people think. Maybe not you. The red flag laws don't have an answer for that. 210-599-5555. So the New York Times did a story about Meyer Flores. I mean, of course they did. She, She won a congressional district that had been voting Democrat for longer than any of us have been alive. She flipped a seat that hadn't gone for the GOP in like a century or so. So they did a story, and the headline on the New York Times story, The Rise of the Far-Right Latina. The Rise of the Far-Right Latina. Now, the good news is apparently she's not a Latinx. Made a little progress there. Baby steps to the New York Times. 
Somebody put that side by side with the first profile that the New York Times wrote about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. After she was first elected to the House, their headline was, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez emerges as a political star. Very Hollywood, a star is born. So Mara Flores doesn't even get her name in the headline. She's just far right. But AOC is a star. By the way, have they ever referred, do the media ever refer to anyone as being far left? Wouldn't it make sense that if you're using the terminology far right, if that's a journalistically um, you know, objective descriptor, like saying somebody is, you know, blonde or is that even are we even allowed to say stuff like that? I was gonna say, or saying somebody is male, but I guess that's not objective anymore. Well, why don't they ever use the term far left? Which most certainly, if anyone is, AOC is. And of course, AOC won her election in a district where, you know, a ham sandwich with Democrat after its name would be elected. Mara Flores reversed political history uh, about a century worth of it. One is a star, the other one is an extreme far-right Latina. We don't even know her name. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, you got to laugh at it. 210-599-5555. I only know who Macy Gray is because I used to work in music radio, and at the time that I was in music radio, Macy Gray came out with a couple of hits, had some success. Um... Macy Gray is now uh, getting a backlash for some things that she said in defense of women. She did an interview with Piers Morgan where she was asked about the definition of a woman, and she said a human being with boobs and a vagina. We didn't even used to have to say this, this stuff. We used to all just know it, but you have to say it now, and Macy Gray did. She said, I... Admire the LGBT community. It takes real balls to be honest about who you are. Woman is a title that you earn and become. And a woman has boobs and a vagina. Bette Midler is also in some hot water. Bette Midler uh, tweeted out uh, this on the 4th of July. Uh, The tweet reads... Women of the world, which is, by the way, I'm going to start all my tweets that way from now on. I like that. I'm just going to open every sentence with that. No, I'm just kidding. Women of the world, Bette Midler wrote, we are being stripped of our rights over our bodies, our lives, and even of our name. They don't call us women anymore. They call us birth people or menstruators or people with vaginas. Don't let them erase you. Every human on earth owes you, said Bette Midler. She she thought she was in the clear. I mean, she's Bette Midler, you know. But no, the cancel mob has come for her, too, and they're coming for Macy Gray once they figure out who she is. And so now Bette Midler is backtracking, and the defense is, I have always been there for gay people and LGBTQ, and the real threat is democracy and all of this. But see, once the witch hunt mob comes after you, 
no amount of apologizing or explaining will do. I have to admit, and I'm, I'm, I'm wicked to say this, when people on the left accidentally trigger a cancel mob, before I defend them, I do kind of enjoy having them realize that, oh, yeah, this is a terrible phenomenon. <laughs> this is not a good thing at all. We, we really shouldn't be for this kind of discourse or lack of discourse. So they're tearing into Bette Midler and Macy Gray, who are women, for daring to find a woman. I mean, what do they think they are, biologists? We'll talk about it after the news on KTSA.